everybody, uh, welcome back to This Good Word. My name is Steve, and this is episode 86, where we're going to talk about loss. It's Holy Week this week, and before we can get to the resurrection, which is happening on Sunday, uh, we need to travel through loss. I am a pastor, I'm a preacher, so I'm sitting with the text, the typical uh, resurrection day text. And man, it's a funky one. It is a funky one. We see Mary Magdalene show up at the tomb. That stone has been rolled away. And so she freaks out. She does the only thing she can think of, which is to run back and get Simon Peter and John. And so they run. But then the text is sort of weird. They they it, it makes a big deal about the fact that John beats Peter to the tomb, and then they go inside, and there's a lot written about the linen, how it's folded, the, the burial closet that covered the body of Jesus because the body of Jesus is no longer there. Uh, a lot of talk about the linen, and then they it says that they kind of believe, but they kind of didn't, and then they went home. <laughs> so fine showing for the fellas, uh, Peter and John. But then the very next sentence we read is that Mary stood at the tomb and wept. And in a few minutes, she's going to meet Jesus. In a few minutes, she is going to realize that he is not dead, that he is somehow inexplicably alive. Uh, she, he, He's so different, though. It's so interesting. She doesn't recognize him. She assumes him to be the gardener, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, but before we get to any of that stuff, before we get to any of the hallelujah, glorious resurrection, we got to go through the part where Mary stood at the tomb and wept. Mary Magdalene was one of the closest friends of Jesus. She was one of the closest followers of Jesus. Um, we don't know much about her background other than the fact that she, uh, she has been frequently associated with the woman who is said to have been a prostitute who, uh, cleans Jesus's feet with her hair, uh, and perfume. That's there, there, there's no proof that that's Mary Magdalene. So Mary Magdalene, uh, was probably not a prostitute. We do know that she had seven demons living inside of her at one point, which is a little interesting. Um, so let's talk about weeping. Uh, lately, I've been having different versions of the same dream. It's centered around a loss I experienced a few years ago. And I've also noticed a kind of more than normal level of fatigue lately in my body. So I've been uh, uh, doing a little exploring. And basically, I think my body is asking me to take another look to see what got covered up maybe and to make it through and into the present, make it through the past. I think there's something that's sort of funky, something that's stopping me from uh, moving into the present and into the future. And so loss is a weird thing because you think maybe you have dealt with it as best you can, and maybe you have. But then if you're noticing that your body is using several different tactics and strategies to help you look at it again, uh, you, you, you maybe find that you dealt with it as much as you could 
uh, those years ago, but there's more there, there. There's something now that you're maybe ready to deal with that you weren't ready to deal with then. And it's time maybe to stand by the tomb and weep that before you can get to the glorious hallelujah, resurrection, newness of living in the present with a new reality and a new beginning, you got to go back and experience the loss. You got to go back and stand at the tomb and do some weeping for what, uh, for what you lost. So I want to talk today about, first of all, noticing what's happening in your body and explaining it. Uh, maybe, 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 I almost said maybe, uh, explaining it maybe a little differently other than just, well, I'm a little tired or, well, I'm getting older. Your body actually might be telling you something that you need to pay attention to. And then we're going to talk about going back to moments that maybe were especially poignant, maybe especially painful and seeing if we can do some healing work with that. And then we're going to look at seeing what repairs might need to be done with specific people. It's not always possible. Uh, sometimes to go back is not safe and talk to the person, or sometimes that person is not um, is, is has deceased, and there's no way to actually go back. But sometimes there is. And so we're going to talk about try to figure out whether it's time to do that or not, because I don't think it always is, but I think sometimes it is. And then we're going to talk about giving yourself grace to move on. All right, so first of all, uh, let's talk about noticing what's happening in your body. So like I said, uh, I just noticed that my dreams for the past several months were much more intense than normal. Um, and they always seem, well, not always, they many times circled back to uh, people and events uh, surrounding a certain loss that I had quite a few years ago. And so um, I think if, if this is happening to you and you're noticing you're having a kind of recurring dream, but it's not the same dream, but it's the same theme, right? I mean, it's like you, you, you notice similar people are involved and you can just kind of tell, even though, you know, the dream itself is bizarre and doesn't make any sense if you try to reconstruct it uh, when you're awake, the dream is, is you know it's about this event or this person. And if it's, a, if it's surrounding loss, if it's surrounding uh, something that you have not um, fully dealt with, some pain, some uh, death, some conflict, uh, a job loss, a uh, relationship loss, uh, whatever it is, you're going to find out that that many times uh, your unconscious mind is like bringing it back to you in your dreams and saying, hey, man, we got to deal with this. So I've it, and this is going to sound funky, but I've found it helpful if you have one of those dreams and especially if it feels like it's dealing with an unresolved conflict or a certain loss you've had in the past. That when you wake up in the morning, try to spend a little time and try to um, identify a few things. Try to identify the primary emotion that you're feeling in the dream. Is it shame? Uh, is it anger? Is it fear? Uh, is it that you're not prepared for something? Like so many times, because I do so much work with preaching and writing, and it's all about sort of delivering content. I have this recurring dream that I'm not ready to give the content away when it's time to give the content. Like I'm about to step up onto the stage and speak, and I realize that I have no clothes on, or I realize that, um, 
you know, uh, my notes are somewhere else and I don't have them or I haven't prepared for the talk at all. And that's sort of a recurring dream. That's not about loss so much as it is anxiety. But I found it really helpful to try to try to identify the primary emotion in, in, in the dream and really try to name that. And if you can't name that, go back and say, like, what scene do you remember the most? What is sort of the highlight reel? Um, what scene or couple of scenes in the dream feels like it had the most energy to it? Right. So try to identify your primary emotion. Try to identify what scene has the most energy to it. And then um, and this is going to sound funky, but try to title your dream as if it was a story or a movie. Give it a name. And if you do this for several times, you're going to you're going to and you just got to trust me on this, but you're going to start to identify if your body is trying to tell you that you need to deal with something, you're going to start to identify what it is that you need to deal with. And sometimes it isn't so much about like you have to go back and fix something. It's about you have to go back and grieve something. You have to go back and you have to realize that because of that certain loss, that certain conflict, you because life is busy and you're a parent and you have a job and you have other, lots of other things happening in your life, you just sort of, sort of dragged your body through that uh, mess, that loss, and you moved on. You moved on too quickly, but that's the only thing you knew how to do. So sometimes what your body is saying is, is hey, through through dreams, is, hey, I, we, 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 uh, we didn't grieve that loss. You know, when you lost your job there, uh, we didn't take time. Maybe you got angry, which is good. Maybe you um, uh, had a couple of conversations, which are good, but but you didn't take time to really grieve it. And maybe you need to do that. Or maybe there is a, a, a resolution that needs to be made with an actual person. Maybe, maybe you need to go back and actually say a couple of things. And maybe it won't resolve anything, but for you, you need to say those things. Um, so, so dreams... It's weird, but dreams have a way of um, explaining to us or giving reference to us about what we still need to do. Another thing is fatigue in your body. So again, I mentioned uh, at the top of the podcast here that I've just been noticing a more than normal level of fatigue in my body, just a more than normal desire to take naps during the day, which I love. Naps are great. I take as many as I can, as often as I can. I don't feel bad about that. Um, but I also just, I just noticed like, man, I've been needing more sleep lately. Uh, my family and I went on vacation lately with, uh, my mom and dad went down to Florida. It was great. And, um, I slept you guys nine to 10 hours a night and took a, about a one hour nap, sometimes a little longer every day. Now, some of that is just, you know, plain old working hard and all that stuff. But some of that is more than just normal work. Um, there's a more than normal fatigue level in my body that I believe now is just some, my, my, my body is telling me you need to go back and look at, look at something. You need to go back and take a look at what maybe you skimmed over in the past. Um, if you're feeling certain tension in your body, like try to just even right now as you're listening, um, 
just do a quick body scan. Start at the top of your head and notice like, okay, any any pain or tension in your temples, any, you know, you're feeling any maybe sinus uh, blockage, uh, you feeling any pain in your, you know, in your neck moving back down and then move your shoulders. Most of us carry tension in our shoulders. Just for a second, notice like, are, are you feeling, do, do you even notice that right in your shoulders, there's kind of a tingly um, pain there? Move down to your arms and your torso. Uh, maybe you have sciatic pain going down, starting in your butt and moving down through your legs. Maybe your knees hurt. Maybe your feet hurt. Uh, whatever it is, just notice those things. And ask yourself, is my body carrying something uh, that that is not that is that is not really necessary for me to carry right now that if I were to go back and deal with the thing that I need to deal with this loss this conflict then perhaps it would work itself out um, and then there's sickness of course you know um, I, I I think sometimes we get sick because you know it's viruses in the air and but our immune system um, gets stronger uh, according to what we eat and how much sleep we get and what vitamins we take in or it gets weaker, you know, according to the lack of sleep or the level of stress in our life or the lack of vitamins we're taking or, you know, the lack of exercise. So you, you may be in a place where you're getting sick because your immune system is down because you're carrying the stress of an unresolved piece of pain and loss. And you need to go back to the tomb and stand there and weep for a while, you know. And I don't, um, I don't know um, the science behind weeping, behind going back and grieving the loss. But I think there's something to that. Like, and I, I, I'm, I'm reading into this big, 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 big time. But the fact that Peter and John. Uh, go to the tomb, they explore it right away, uh, they talk about the linen, they run back home. I mean, it's like, it seems like they're doing most of the scene running and playing with linen. Now, I'm sure that in some way they mourned and grieved and it's it's clear that they did later, but just just for the purposes of this specific conversation, the fact that Mary Magdalene stood by the tomb and just let it out and wept is instructive for us. Like you might need to slow down and notice, oh my goodness, I need to go stand by the tomb and weep. There's just stuff that happened that I haven't dealt with. So that's the first thing, noticing what's happening in your body. And then I think it's instructive and important to go back to specific memories of conflict loss um, and it just like like a scene in your mind. Um, try to do the painful work of going back there. Maybe get a pen and a piece of paper or a notebook and sort of just without editing in any way, just sort of sketch out what you remember about that scene, what you remember about the faces, what you remember about what was said to you and what you said to others. Uh, remember the, the leaving that happened. Remember 
Um, remember the tears, maybe. Remember uh, the hasty things that were said or written in an email form. Um, remember, you know, if it's like a job loss or even a relationship loss, even taking time to remember some of the good memories of some of the good that happened in that relationship or in that job. Like spend some time saying, oh, wait a minute. It, it, it wasn't all the end there where it ended badly. There were some really beautiful moments too. And spend some time writing that out and kind of journaling that out. I think it's really important. And do it without editing. Like don't worry, did I did did that person say it exactly that way? Did I say it exactly that way? For sure, you're not remembering it perfectly. The 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 point is not to recall uh, like a court document exactly what happened. It's it's to recall your feelings and your primary emotions that were happening in the middle of this devastating loss. To try to go back and and try to capture some of the vulnerability that was that you felt and some of what was exposed. To try to capture some of what you lost because when you experience loss this is so obvious but it means you lost something something that you used to have or at least have access to is now gone and everything's a mixed bag some of which is gone is good that it's gone but some of it is bad like so maybe a dream was lost and it got flushed down the toilet when you lost that job or when you lost that relationship um, or when you had that conflict and you didn't even realize maybe you had the dream, but now as you're going back through your memories and you're playing them through like movies in your mind and you're writing it out, you're writing out the emotions you're feeling, you're realizing, oh man, I had some dreams wrapped up in, in, into that and now those dreams are going away. Or I had some expectations for how uh, a certain person was going to act in that situation. And man, they, they didn't. And I feel really a lot of grief about that. And I just need to name that. Or man, I thought I was going to be bigger um, than, the, than, than how I acted. And, and the truth is, I, I really, um, you know, I, I, didn't, I was not fully the person I wanted to be. And so I need to go back and I need to, I need to mourn that. I need to grieve that. So there's an important part of going back to memories, playing them like movies in your mind, bringing up the painful stuff, writing it out. And then I think the next move is uh, you need to ask yourself, are there conversations that would be productive for me to have uh, that maybe that I need to go back and have? Now, not all people are safe to have conversations with. Um, some people you just need to realize like, man, going back and rehashing it really isn't going to help. Uh, and so you would need to feel really ready that that was going to be uh, a conversation that might be hard, might be difficult, but at least would be safe. If it's not going to be safe, if you feel like that person's not going to handle you with um, the kind of care that you need to be handled with, then you're probably not going to want to go back and have that conversation. But if there are, if there are conversations that would be productive and safe to have that would help you to move past it, then, you know, after you've noticed what's happened in your body, after you've gone back to your memories, I think it's important to kind of do some repair work um, and actually have some conversations. And when you set those up, man, they're going to be brutal. They're going to be 
It's good. You're going to be so nervous about going back and having that conversation. You're going to be like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I'm doing this. I I don't want to do this. I wish I could sign out um, and not do this when, you know, when you make that phone call or send that email. Hey, do you think we should get together? And then maybe they say yes. And then as it's coming up, you're going to feel like, why did I do this? And what what, what possible good can come out of it? Well, just just the sheer act of responding to your body, responding to those memories and saying, yep, there's something that actually does need to happen and I'm going to do it. And I'm not sure how this is going to turn out, but this is important for me to do, right? It's important for me to try to repair if I can. And then having some realistic expectations of what that repair looks like, even if the conversation goes well, and I hope it does. Uh, even if you feel like you said everything that you needed to say and the person even listened and maybe even they said some super helpful things that helped you understand the situation a little better. Repair doesn't mean that everything goes back to the way it was. Uh, Nothing ever goes back to the way it was because life is moving. Life is not static. It's dynamic. Relationships are dynamic. You're dynamic. You're always changing. And so repair doesn't mean we move backwards. Repair means it's possible now to move forward. And that may not mean you even have a relationship with that person. But at least when their face comes into your mind, you can have some level of peace. Now, maybe it means that you have a renewed relationship. Maybe there's some reconciliation, but it's not necessary. Uh, It's not necessarily a part of repair to restore the relationship. Um, I think you need to restore the memory. I think you need to restore the conflict. I think, but having this expectation that um, that moving moving on means you have to go back to the way it was or have some really amazing you know relationship. And again, if it's a death, I mean, obviously you you can't have that. That's that's no longer possible. But you can go back and um, and sort of process what you need to process. So noticing what's happening in your body, going back to memories, seeing if there needs to be any repair work done. And then the last thing, I think it's really important to, as you're thinking about all this stuff, as you're, especially if it involves a conflict, which you at least were partly complicit, uh, I think it's important to have grace for yourself and really to give yourself permission to let yourself off the hook for not getting it totally right. Um, I've shared this in different podcasts. I've shared this in different writings, but there there was a, a situation that I was dealing with a counselor in where I really feel like I messed it up. And I said, man, I, I really feel like I'm, I'm the one I'm at fault. I really messed it up. And my counselor just looked at me and said, of course you did. <laughs> of course you messed it up. And I looked at him like, what are you talking about? Like nice. Ca- I mean, I'm paying for this. Um, but then he, then he got soft in his face and he said, um, the point is not to get it right. Um, in fact, walk down the plank of that messing it up, walk all the way down the plank and jump off in, into the abyss. And now let's deal with it. Even if it was totally your fault, even if it was, and maybe it totally was like feeling like, oh my gosh, it's totally my fault, but not ever doing anything about it doesn't, it's not helpful at all. Um, so give, give yourself some permission to let yourself off the hook for the need to have gotten it totally right. 
You're going to grieve the loss. You might have to say you're sorry for some of the things that you did. Uh, you might have to offer some forgiveness. But as it relates to you getting it, feeling that pressure and feeling guilty because you didn't do a certain conflict perfectly, or maybe even because you made some big mistakes, part of moving through it is giving yourself permission to not have to have gotten it all right the first time. None of us do. Permission to get it wrong, permission to fail, permission to need to go back and make it right is so important uh, as you're sitting at the tomb, standing at the tomb weeping. You have to give yourself permission that you didn't have to get it perfectly right. That's just too big of a weight to bear. No one can do that. I mean, I don't care what conflict you've been in. I don't care what loss you've experienced. You cannot, cannot, cannot bear the weight of feeling like if I had only done this better. Uh, of course, you could have done it better. And of course, it's at least partly your fault. Now, there are some, even as I'm saying that, there's certain losses in terms of abuse and rape and things like that, that it's absolutely not your fault. So that does not um, play here. But for the rest of conflict, which involves relationships and emotions, most of it, it's partly your fault, partly their fault. And honestly, it wouldn't have gone all that different if you uh, would have acted differently. You just would have found a different uh, scene in which the conflict would have would have come out. The point is not to do relationships perfectly without conflict. The point is to be in relationship, to be engaged, to be open to the person, the actual person who's actually standing across from you and all their messiness and to offer yourself and all your messiness as your actual self. And when that happens with two people, you're gonna have pain, loss, grief, um, and you're gonna be standing by the tomb weeping because certain things will have died. And I think part of dealing with loss is as you're standing by the tomb weeping, even if there's some restoration, even if there's some forgiveness, even if you've moved on, something did die. Do you know what I mean? Like that relationship, even if it's restored, is a different relationship. It's got different parameters now. It's in a different, it lives in a different place now. Um, even if there's forgiveness, even if there's honest, like moving on, something did die. And you need to stand by the tomb and weep. Like, there's just no way around that. Um, and sometimes dealing with loss ha just has to start with just standing by the tomb and weeping for what's gone. The dream that died, the relationship that's no longer, um, that thing that existed which actually doesn't exist anymore. And pretending that it does exist still or pretending that it didn't really matter that it went away. Um, nope, nope, nope. Your body is going to tell you that that doesn't work, my friends. You're going to have dreams. You're going to feel fatigue. You're going to feel tension. You're going to get sick. And all that is just your body saying, man, um, I really, I, I will invite you to deal with things if you're not willing to deal with them 
yourself. Um, so my friends, this Holy Week, um, my encouragement to you is to notice. Notice the places in your life where you just need to do some plain old standing by the tomb and weeping because something that you treasured, that you valued, has died. Now, I really do believe that resurrection and newness is possible. But the thing that gets resurrected is different. Even Jesus, he wasn't recognizable to Mary. She thought he was the gardener. He had a different countenance. Uh, he was him, but he was different. And that is the case with things that die and get resurrected. Yes, new beginnings, completely possible. Yes, new life. Yes, new starts. But the new start's going to be different than what it was because the thing that used to be, that thing has died and you need to weep. You need to mourn. You need to grieve over it. So my question for you is what do you need to grieve? Like what, what dream died or what dream maybe is dying? You sort of need to just name it. Like that dream I had, that's, that's probably not going to turn out the way I thought it was. Or that relationship, that job, that hope, that desire, uh, I, I think I need to say goodbye to it. I think I, think I need to stand by the, by the tomb and just weep. And I need to do that. I need to make time for that. I need to clear my schedule for that. I need to get ready for that. I need to, um, and I need to do it. But that's my encouragement, gang. Name those things. If you're having funky dreams, if you're feeling fatigue and tension and sickness, you got to go back to some of those memories. And I, I almost guarantee you it's surrounding a loss that you have not quite grieved in the way that you need to. And then making some repairs and then for sure giving grace for yourself. So my friends, uh, so good to be with you. I just felt like today of all days, this week of all weeks, uh, it was important to talk about loss. And so as always, we're in it together. Uh, we're human, we're holy, we're dust and we're breath. We're limited and we're limitless. Man, we're in it together. Grace and peace, my friends. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Weens and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my preaching, my books, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com.